The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at their website, andyanddon.com. Andy and Don, all one word, .com. You can ask a question via the listener inquiry button as well listen to old archive shows. Good morning, Gentlemen, good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, everyone. I can't believe it's like the end of May. Here we are. This is the end of week 11 when it comes to COVID-19. And, you know, we were talking just before we came on the air here about how some people who might have been close to retirement, uh, this pushes them over the edge. Others uh, perhaps being offered some severance packages to retire early. It's an interesting time. It is. And yes, there's a planned retirement, which, you know, Andy and I do on a regular basis. You're saying, okay, I want to retire at this age. Here's your scenario. But then there's the unplanned retirement. And does it still make sense? And so what I, I had a, a couple conversations in the past week where, and I'll call them John and Louise for argument's sake, they were offered a severance. John was. And it was kind of like you have to take it. You had to make a decision, fairly quick order, um, by the beginning of June. And you know, he's 59 years old, and he turns 60 uh, June 1st of next year. So he's offered $150,000 if he were to retire basically in the next week. Not a lot of notice. And he would get a defined benefit plan of $45,000 a year. And you say, well, that sounds pretty good. And so we've, we've done a lot of the planning for these people already, so we're already working on a, a retirement, and it was supposed to happen in the next two or three years. And they're well on their way just over the last 20 years we've been working together. But all of a sudden, this sweetens the pot pretty good. But then I looked, we looked at it and it said 45000 a year. Well, he's making about 90000 So you're getting about 50% of his regular pay. And uh, like I said, he's 59, so he can start collecting Canada Pension Plan at 60, but we've, we've discussed that we'd like to at least wait till 65. And he can't get his old age security until 65, of course. So... Can they afford it? Well, that's one question. The next one is, what happens if he waited till June 1st of next year when he actually turned 60? And this is, he would not get the severance package. However, this was a big kicker. His pension would be 53000 a year versus 45000 a year. What people have to look at when they're getting these uh, severance packages, they have to take into account if there is a reduced pension because of retiring early. And they often don't really get into that. They, they fortunately check to see what would the difference be. And the difference literally is $8,000 a year. So it, it worked out that for every year, every month he retired before age 62, they, he would lose one quarter of 1% because 62 was considered the normal retirement date. However, he could get an unreduced pension at age 60. And that works out to you know about 16% based on this scenario. So I worked it out, and it looks like, you know, there's about a 19-year break-even. And so if he waited until June June the 1st of next year, it would take 19 years if he spent the severance package. It would take 19 years to recover that money. Well, there's also the fact, well, what if he doesn't need the severance or he doesn't need to touch his investments? By investing that money, it would take a lot longer to break even. 
So the first question people always ask, doesn't matter when, is can I afford it? It's purely a money situation. So what we do, and I know Andy and I have talked about this many times over the years, is part of our financial plan is using a lot of very conservative kind of um, assumptions. So we use a 5% rate of return. Uh, we had them living to age 95, both uh, John and Louise, and they're basically within a year of uh, same age, so it's not a big deal there. We use 3% inflation. I use that simply to be very conservative. It hasn't been that for quite some time, but just in case it does pop out, who knows, with all this extra money from the government going into the economy, there is talk of inflation going up. Standard deviation. This is used and how much the markets can go up and down. It's kind of interesting. You look at 2019, and the standard deviation was 12. So if they were making a 5% return on average, last year, coincidentally enough, they did make about 17%. Well, this year could be the opposite. It could be minus 7%. So we've gone from one range, one end of the range of standard deviation to the other end, all in a period of two years. It's very uncommon. So that's all part to, we use that to uh, use for the Monte Carlo analysis. We have them buying a car every seven years for 30000 They do have a, a child that is going to university, and that, and that person will be going there for the next few years. Thankfully, we do have RESPs in place, but there may be some extra costs. So it works out if you don't do a Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo analysis straight up. If you made 5% every year, it's 100%. He could retire now or wait till June 1st. Either way, worked out great. If you did use the Monte Carlo analysis, Interesting enough, there's a 90% success rate if he took the severance, but a 95% success rate if he waited till June 1st and did not collect the 150000 So that was, and that comes back to the break-even point of having a pension. But does that really matter? You know, at the end of the day, um, he can retire either way. 90% is pretty good. 95% uh, is better. But, you know, do you like where you're working? Who knows? There's a lot of what-ifs. And some of the what-ifs right now is they're not sure if, he's, if they're going to get a company car anymore. That might be cut back. So he didn't, may, may have to buy a new car or pay extra costs for a car. So that kind of eats in on staying till June 1st. Uh, there's definitely going to be way less overtime. And that was a big, a big uh, addition to his income every year. Usually would make 20000 a year. It never really factored into the pensions at all, but... It was kind of nice because every year we would get together. This is always excess money, and these people were very good at using that money to help save for the retirement, which we've done over the last many years. Does, and the other question, what does it really make sense to work for 50% of your pay? Because if he doesn't work, he gets 50% in a pension. If he does work, he just gets double. And, of course, there's tax, higher taxes at those income, tax, at those income rates also. So does it make sense? Uh, medical coverage. Uh, Are you a heavy user of the medical coverage? Are you insurable going forward? Is it a big deal to have this medical coverage for dental, medical, and prescriptions, et cetera? So it is one other thing that people do need to look at. And the other part is, what if the company had a, you know, really want people to retire and they come up with a better one next week or or next month or next year? You don't know. They, They say, well, we didn't get enough this time around. Maybe we'll give them a better one, or maybe they'll offer them a worse one next time. It's kind of interesting. I know DeFasco back in 92, 93, the first package, they came out in 92, was far better than their second package. But people, um, you know, both 
both retarded those two dates, depending if they qualified or not. So at the end of the day, these are a lot of the questions that go into a financial plan. And really, you've got to ask yourself as a listener, do you have a real financial planner? Or is this person simply, if you have a person at all, is this person simply looking after your money? Because you need to have a financial plan, because this is a critical condition, uh, part of your life. You, you know, this is as big as you know, getting married or perhaps on the other side, getting divorced or starting your career. These are big decisions, and you do not want to just you know, make some assumptions and say, yeah, it looks like it's pretty good or eyeball it. You need to make sure that it works for you. So at the end of the day, these people here could retire, and we went through it in very great detail to see if it made sense. But then the next question, okay, now that I financially can do it, should I still retire? Is it right for me? And there's some people, and I've had a, a number of people in the last little while retire, but it wasn't right for them to retire. Um, they are now seeking new jobs. See, it just didn't make sense for them. So the journey, and there really is six stages of retirement. And the first one is you, most people have a work identity. And they have this, okay, I do this for a living. And it's, that's part of their identity. But now they have to create a retirement identity. And that's a big switch because uh, they, they may say, this is the way I am. This is part of me. And it's quite actually quite hard for a lot of people to retire losing that part. So there's six stages. First stage is pre-retirement. And that was the part we were just talking about, getting all your ducks in order, going through all the what-if scenarios, going through your lifestyle, your situation in detail. It is a tailor-made financial plan for you. So this is extremely important. And... And this is creating that clarity and the confidence that it's okay, I can definitely retire. And, you know, you have to look at when you do, when you're making money, you should, you know, you are focusing on your finances to maximize your life. And it shouldn't be the other way around. You really should be enjoying your life along the way. And this is a soft part of retirement. And this is where it gets a little bit more difficult because it's an emotion. At the end of the day, retirement is, is an emotion. So stage two is that big day, and that big day is I've retired. And they might throw a party. I guess in the old days they used to throw parties. I don't know what they do now, virtual parties. Yeah. And they all Zoom. in their backyard, and uh, it's a nice, uh, nice day right now. So, and they have a virtual meeting and, and uncork some champagne. But that's the shortest part. That, you know, some people might make it a, a retirement week, and they'll have lots of different outings. But that's a very short part of the retirement. Stage three, though, is the fun one. That's the honeymoon stage. And this is where you say, ha-ha, I'm free. This is what I've always wanted to do. This is great. And I can travel. I can do my hobbies. I can work on the house. I've always wanted to do that renovation. And you have this long list of things, uh, a bucket list, if you will, of things you want to do. And really, as long as there's no money concerns, you can do all these things. But eventually, you run out on that list. And this, that stage, by the way, can last a month. It can last a couple years, but it does end eventually. And stage four is the one that is not a lot of fun. This is the enchant disenchantment stage. And this is where you actually say, okay, I've retired. So is this it? Is this all there is to it? And it comes to the fact that retirement is not a permanent vacation. It's, a, you know, it's kind of like getting married. You know, the, the honeymoon does, does end at some stage and it's kind of a reality check. And so, this stage, I like to go through a little bit more, and we'll finish off the last two stages after the break here. 
All right. We are planning your financial future and your retirement. Uh, I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Services. Uh, 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They will get back to you. Check out the website at andyanddon.com. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button as well listen to old archive shows. Uh, we're talking about retirement during a uh, COVID-19 period, and specifically, what do you do five years out? Yes, and, and we're just uh, finishing off the, the stages of retirement, and we've gone through the first three stages already, and on to the fourth stage, which is really the kind of, the, unfortunately, everybody gets to this one, and it's called the disenchantment stage, and it's like, okay, is this really what retirement's all about? And it often brings loneliness, some boredom, feeling of uselessness, some disillusionment, and, you know, it's no longer those commercials of retirement that you quite often see in the, you know, on the ship in the old days when you used to be going on cruises. So, in other words, it's a lot like living through a COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I got to retire, but you get to stay at home now, right? Yeah. And it's a difficult transition, um, particularly if friends are still working. So, you don't have, you know, a lot of your, you know, you say, okay, I'll get to do this. And it turns out, well, they still got a job, so you've you got to make new friends. Um, you don't have that kind of the work social life you used to have, depending on where you worked. In the old days when you actually used to go to the office, remember those days, Scott? Barely. <laughs> I don't even know what you guys look like other than on a little wee screen. Uh, and, and, yeah, no kidding. My hair's a lot longer at the back. <laughs> you look like a hippie, Andy. Hey, I finally got to borrow my son's clippers, so I actually got a bit of a cut, so I'm looking a little better now. So, But... Uh, you know, it turned out that you actually didn't mind working after all. It was, there were certain parts of the job you didn't like, but some of the parts you actually did like. And actually, your hobbies, they were fun while you're working, but they're no longer as fun as you thought when it's the only thing you're doing. So it's a different stage. And this is where, you know, of course, we went through the financial plan, and you budgeted for travel, and you, we went through it. But it's also good to go through the stages of how much would you spend in your 60s and 70s, maybe your 70s to 80s, and over that period of time. Because every stage has a different financial dollar sign. But you also need a plan, a fun plan. And this is to keep going so you don't kind of hang out in that disenchantment stage too long. And this really does differ from one person to the next. And quite often people will leave the stage and fall back into it or they just said, you know what, I'm not big on this disenchantment stage. Let's go back to the honeymoon stage and have another trip. So the, where you want to get to do is finally is the reorientation where you're building a new identity. And this is a tough one. This is back to work. Like, but you know you've done a great job is when, you, when people actually forgot what you did for a living. That's like, oh, wow, I guess, uh, yeah, you used to do that. That's right, I forgot you did that. And that's, that's now showing that you have morphed into a new person and you know and you have to ask you some ask yourself some pretty tough questions like who am i now what is my purpose 
how can I make myself useful and at the same time satisfied? One thing to be useful, but if you don't like being doing that, that's a different thing. So you need to have that conversation. And, you know, you, you see two types of people, uh, the ones that you can barely remember what they used to do for a living. But then there's the other ones that simply talk like, oh, remember the good old days? And those people have never, tra- never transitioned to a new, new identity. They're still living in the past. And, it, and so, you, you know, like I said, a lot of people will fall back. It's really trial and error in trying to get better and finding out what your real purpose in life is in your next stage. And it is work. But the, if you don't put in this effort, you may stay in that disenchantment stage for a long time. And finally, is the last stage is routine. And this is where you now have a new daily schedule. You've got the marital groundworks. Okay, the rules are out. You know, how much time are we spending together and how much time are we spending apart? And that's actually one of the largest issues is you're spending a lot more time with your spouse. So you have to say, okay, well, I, I, you know, as much as I like hanging out with you, honey, it's, uh, I like to do other things on my own. So this is, uh, this is where you, it's trial and error and, and usually will work its way through. Um, you can be working again. I've this is, wait a sec, wait a sec. I, uh, I thought we were, tire- we were talking about retirement, not divorce. <laughs> well, that's actually kind of interesting because there is a very high correlation to retirement and a second and, and eventually uh, divorce because, you know, it's like, woo, I didn't, uh, didn't expect this. So you always have the kids in the way to keep you busy, but maybe you have grandkids now and maybe you're volunteering. But at the end of the day, you've created a new identity and a new routine. So as much as Andy and I are financial planners, and we work through the X's and O's to make sure you can retire, there's also the emotional stages that everybody goes through. And, and so when I'm chatting with clients about this, I say, you know, this is why it's important. You need to start looking, because we know our clients pretty well. And you know what they're like? Some people are definitely ready for retirement. Other ones have way too much energy. And they say, okay, you're going to get bored in a while after you've done everything from organizing your sock drawer to whatever it might be, okay? So, so I... This is the kind of thing we'll go over. I know Andy's going through another scenario of, uh, you know, five years from retirement. What should you be looking at? Thanks, Don. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Just listening as you were speaking, you know, literally I had a friend of mine uh, named Tim who did the sort of um, textbook retirement, December 31st, everything. There was a cake. There was a party. And we were talking about getting together and celebrating. He said, no, no, I've got a trip planned. He went for two weeks to Mexico in January and came back, and I haven't seen him since. Huh. <laughs> anyway, so he's, uh, you're right, he, he's stuck inside for, the, uh, for his early stage of retirement, so that's a big adjustment. But uh, no, I, and, uh, I was speaking with some clients in the last uh, couple of months just about their own retirement plan, and uh, these were new clients that, we, that we've met. And um, we'll call them Kathy and Brian, so I'll just give you a little bit of history about who they are, what their goals were, and then um, what the strategies and outcomes that we ended up helping them in terms of their retirement plan. So Kathy's 55 and Brian's 56, and um, Kathy's actually a speech therapist, and she's, actually, she's running her own practice. And Brian's a paramedic, so certainly interesting times for, for him right now as he... Uh, navigates his own career, retirement, etc. They want to retire in five years' time, so uh, 60 for Kathy and uh, 61 for Brian. The, um, some of the goals when we were talking about retirement, what does it look like? And um, certainly Brian really likes to get away for a month 
would love to get away for a month every winter as part of the retirement plan. Um, but they both do like their work, and in fact, it's often here they were consider they would consider working part time if needed, uh, and both of them. And so, if that were to happen, you know, maybe a thousand a month or something like that. Not a not a big <clears throat> not a big um, windfall, but certainly uh, an addition to their cash flow. And inflation is important to always consider. As Don was talking about, there are assumptions along the way. Two and a half percent for inflation. And um, they plan to stay in their current home for the next 10 to 15 years and then likely downsize. Um, they were just married a year ago. So it's a second marriage. And um, so as a result, they bought a home together They and they have a, a, a joint mortgage. And because Brian's income is a little more predictable, he pays the, pays the mortgage payment on a regular basis. And then um, they want to replace their vehicles during retirement and continue to operate two vehicles. Brian actually rides his bike to work probably eight months of the year and so doesn't really use a car that often. So his goal is probably replace it every uh, 15 years and not a lot of money, 25 grand for uh, budget. And the first car for him would be in 2025. And Kathy's, um, with her practice, she drives around a lot more. So certainly every 10 years for her. 33000 and and um, next year would be her, her next purchase for a vehicle as well. Uh, so Kathy's still getting some support payments from her ex-spouse, and that's going to end this December, December 2020. And she also owns 50% of a Muskoka cottage. And the cottage valued right now, which they are planning to sell, it's, uh, it's actually listed at this point, and her share, she estimates after... Uh, costs, etc., about five hundred thousand. So that's going to be a nice windfall towards their retirement plan as well. Brian is sort of—he's uh, a very disciplined guy. He's been building up cash, cash balance in his bank account, and was asking, you know, what do I do with this money now? Do I pay down our mortgage? Should I be investing it for retirement? Or what about um, and what about a tax plan around this as well? So. That sort of gives you some idea of where they're at and where they're trying to, uh, some of their financial goals. And the, the, um, as a result, what we did is a complete financial analysis. So when you do a financial plan, the key areas we want to look at are what's retirement going to look like? How is that going to work? What's your investment plan? What is the tax plan to minimize tax today and going forward? Cash flow management, dealing with debt and just your regular um, uh, monthly cash flow. What about insurance or protection in case of a, a, a premature death or a disability? And then an estate plan as well. So as we began to sort of unfold the various options, uh, the first thing we wanted to get an understanding of is what is their net worth? And so today, Kathy has RSPs, TFSAs, non-registered investments of about 575000 And Brian um, had uh, a lira has a lira, an RRSP, and no TFSA, and worth about 200000 And they have that cottage that's coming to Kathy at about 500000 The house they bought is worth about 500000 So about $1,775,000 net worth, and the mortgage outstanding is about 175000 <clears throat> So a net worth of $1.6 So we start to getting into, well, what are the strategies that we're going to layer into this plan to improve their financial well-being and their financial outcome? and really just sort of build more clarity and confidence around their own retirement situation. And one thing we looked at is Brian's RRSP get a lot of room. He hasn't 
been putting a lot into this. Uh, and his income's about 85000 so he's in a 35% marginal tax bracket, and his income in retirement is going to be lower. So it made sense for him to put a little bit into RRSPs at this point while he's working. He's still in a high enough marginal tax bracket, so we recommended 5000 per year up until retirement, and then um, uh, under the cash flow plan, using the tax refund to continue to pay down the mortgage so that they're mortgage-free by the time they retire in five years. He, um, we also recommended that at retirement that uh, both of them would convert some of their RSP or, or Lira account into a RIF or LIF and be able to take some annual withdrawals from that just to bring their taxable income up to the lowest threshold in Ontario, which is 44700 of taxable income. Um, now, Kathy's going to have to invest, make some decisions about this cottage money coming up at some point in the next uh, 6 to 12 months. And the, the recommendation there would be something we call a corporate class structure. And this is a more tax-efficient way for her to hold those non-registered investments. And after doing uh, uh, a test on her investment profile, we discovered she's a moderate aggressive. They're both moderate aggressive, so that's a split of about 70% equity, 30% fixed income. And during retirement, it's more tax-efficient to take money out of the non-registered plan to look after any lump-sum needs they might have. So that would be the goal or the strategy going forward. The cars were looked after during retirement as part of our, our projection as well. Moving on to the investment plan, we did an IPQ for each of them, an investment profile questionnaire. Scott, I'm going to test you in our next section on your own investment profile. So don't get nervous. You, you, you can't fail. Don't you, uh, ha- don't you have so that talked- information? <laughs> and we talked about um, transferring their existing investments in kind, which means basically we look after internally moving all of those different pieces that they've got as they are. We're not changing anything. We're just simply consolidating it under one place to have a better picture of where they are and how to manage those assets. And then, of course, rebalancing their investments annually will be, will be an important uh, strategy as well. From a cash flow perspective, uh, recommended that uh, Brian put in $400 uh, biweekly towards the mortgage. And based on some lump sum additions from tax refunds, et cetera, they will have the mortgage paid off in five years. So that was important. Uh, again, we'll be using lump sums for those car purchases as well. And Kathy should continue to maximize her TFSA, and Brian didn't have a TFSA. So starting a TFSA plan for him was 6000 and then just setting up a monthly discipline of a 500 a month to continue to maximize his TFSA each year. Um, you know, we looked at insurance as well. It definitely needs review. Um, you know, upon death, basically money is flowing over to their beneficiaries, but as a new marriage, one suggestion we had is that um, that money roll over to uh, in trust to a surviving spouse for maybe a period of five years just to allow that survivor to adjust to that one income and at the same time um, make sure that children from the previous marriages aren't uh, disinherited as well. We knew that if either of them became disabled right now, they had sufficient resources and the same thing in terms of a critical illness as well. And then in terms of their estate plan, it definitely just needs a lot of review. They are actually we're currently updating. I have brand new wills and brand new power of attorneys, which are completed at this point. So I was in the process. I still haven't reviewed those. But um, just recommending that power of attorney go on file for so that in case something happens, they've got a easy access to get things done for each partner. 
And then a spousal testamentary trust is something I think, which would, again, would help accommodate that planning of, uh, and transition period after first death. So by the time we put all that together and we looked at what was the conclusion, well, they were able to have uh, their goal of uh, 52000 like a 1000 a week as far as base expenses, et cetera, and 20000 of extra, so 72000 total income after tax. And with the option to actually increase that to about 88000 a year. So lots of flexibility for their retirement going forward. And just looking over the next 10 years, by layering on all of these strategies, you're able to improve their net worth by about 193000 hmm. over the next decade. So um, well on their way to retirement. And uh, to say, I think the, the, the biggest thing they left with was just feeling more confidence and clarity about where they were going and, and what the next steps are going to be. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button as well as listen to old archive shows. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nervous here. Uh, this is all about an investment profile questionnaire. Yeah. We are going to test your, you know what, there are no wrong answers for this. And so what I'm going to do is... That's what they always say. I know, (laughs) just so you're not nervous, but uh, we don't want to embarrass you in front of your audience. So uh, I'm going to set the stage, Scott. You're going to pretend to be this individual and you've got a certain financial goal and you're going to answer the questions about your investments based on putting your mindset into the head of this person. Okay. Sort of what-if scenario. So here's the picture. Um, Scott, you've you've paid off your mortgage uh, just recently, and now you're sort of, you're excited because you've got $2,500 a month left over. And now you're wondering, what do I do? And something that you've always wanted to do is buy a cottage. And the goal is you're 55 now, and you're not retired yet, but at 65, in 10 years' time, you want to have whatever this can grow to at 2500 a month, and then you're going to take that cash in 10 years and put it down onto a cottage. Okay? <clears throat> so when we're looking at your investment objective, how can the savings, how can this 2500 a month be invested, and what type of uh, portfolio makes sense? We're going to start with sort of understanding a little bit about the time horizon. So we know that the investment objective of this money is going to be a major purchase, a cottage. Uh, And I've got 13 questions. So I'm I'm only going to Mm -hmm. ask you four of the 13, and I'm going to uh, fill in the gaps in between. Uh, The time horizon is in 10 years' time. And then question three is how long do you expect withdrawals to continue? And the answer is it's simply one lump sum. So it's all coming out at the end of 10 years, cashing it in going to use it to buy the cottage. So now we sort of set the stage. We've got our time horizon. We've got our what the goal is for. Now we're going to talk about risk tolerance. Now, here's question one. Compared to other investors, 
how would you rate your own current willingness to take on investment risks? A, extremely low. B, very low. C, low. D, average. E, high risk. F, very high risk. Or G, extremely high risk. Um, I would say the middle one, D. Was it D? D, average? Yes. Average it is. Okay. I'm going to score you in the D. And um, question. next question for you is, investments can go up or down in value, and experts often say you should be prepared to weather a downturn. By how much could the total value of all your investments go down before you would begin to feel uncomfortable? A, any fall would make me feel uncomfortable. B, 10% fall. C, a 20% fall. D, a 33% fall. E, 40% fall, or F, more than 50% fall? Uh, I'd say C. C, 20% fall. Okay. Oh, and, you, and you probably just got tested that way just recently, Scott, on that one. And, uh, <laughs> That's the phone, right. The phone didn't ring on my end, so all was yeah. good. You know, I, I'm just I'm waiting for Don to jump in and go, well, no, that's not right, Scott. I mean, you guys know all yeah, this information. You have all my money. Question. You probably experienced a 33% fall uh, until the end of March but you may not have done anything about it. So that's a good sign. Uh, question six, seven, eight, we're going to leave. I've already answered those for you because I kind of know your, your situation here. But question nine, over time, inflation tends to reduce the purchasing power of money. So now you're thinking you're trying to save for a cottage. So it's going to go up in value, right? Cost is going to cost more in the future. Um, Person power saved in guaranteed investments with greater potential to protect against the loss of purchasing power are generally subject to greater volatility. Is it important to it is important to consider this trade-off between safety and protecting purchasing power? Which is more important to you? A. Much more important that the dollar value does not fall. B. Somewhat more important that the dollar value does not fall. C somewhat more important that the purchasing power is protected over the long term, or D, much more important that the purchasing power is protected over the long term? I would say C. C, okay. And Good answer, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of giving my answer as if it's a question, and then I'm watching for the response. Question 11, 12, okay, question 12. This is the last one that you have to answer, and then we're going to score you up. History has shown that financial markets can be volatile. If you started with a portfolio of $100,000, which of the following losses is the most you could tolerate over the course of one year? A market decrease of 40%, so you'd only have 60000 A market decrease of 30%, 70000 20% for number C. 15% for D. E is a decrease of 10% or F. I am not comfortable with any losses in my investment portfolio over one year. Uh, let's go with C again, 20%. He is 20%. And it's interesting uh, doing this test right now, Andy, is because, you know, now that we've actually experienced some market volatility on the negative side, it's, it does give the people a benchmark to work against. And they're often, their risk tolerance is actually lower than when times are great and they haven't seen a negative year for a while. Yeah. So this is an mm. ideal time to do this test. All right. Well, during the commercial, I'm going to total up your score and we'll find out who you are and what your profile is when we come back. 
This could get ugly. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website at andyanddon.com. Quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Talking about investment profile questionnaire, you've been running me through the paces here. Here we go. So the answer, you were, just a reminder, this was a goal where you had 2500 a month to save and you're going to buy a cottage in 10 years. And so that time horizon gives you a part of your score to understand your risk profile. And you scored 11 out of 20. And that means that you've got some time ahead of you, those 10 years. But because you're going to take all the money out in one lump sum, that really cuts back on your points that you would get based on time horizon. So 11 out of 20 on the time horizon. Versus, say, retirement, which would be a lifetime Goal. Yeah, you, you'd have twenty. You might have twenty. Year, you might have twenty uh, points on that one. So, and then the risk risk tolerance. You've got uh, fifty two points here, but you your score out of fifty two, you scored thirty six, and thirty six out of fifty two plus a time horizon score of eleven. And as I'm looking across the grid here, drum roll, please. You, in fact, are moderate aggressive. Mm. Now, thinking back to our quick, just a quick summary then, as a moderate aggressive, it suggests that you have at least a high risk tolerance. We describe a high risk tolerance as the ability to tolerate significant volatility in portfolio value in the interest of achieving higher long-term growth through capital gains or higher levels of income, even if it comes with periods of reduced portfolio value. So now I sort of looked at, well, how much will that 2500 grow to in the next 10 years? And I looked at a moderate, a moderate aggressive, and aggressive, because I wasn't quite sure where you were going to end up. Mm-hmm. But as a moderate aggressive, uh, moderate, we were saying, assuming 5%, moderate aggressive, 7%, and aggressive, 9%. And at moderate aggressive, you're 300, you're, sorry, 2,500 a month, which is 30,000 a year for 10 years is 300,000. would grow to $415,000 that you're mm. going to have available to buy your cottage. Now, I just want to remind you of one thing, Scott, though. If inflation averages 2% along the way, that's only going to be worth 340000 in today's dollars. And finally, if actually cottage inflation ends up being 3%, the value of that money in today's dollars is going to be 308000 literally exactly what you put in, and we still have to factor in tax. So you're on your way. But uh, depending on how, what size of cottage and the cost of it, you may need to be more aggressive. <laughs> I might be purchasing a trailer instead. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting. We've just gone through a, a couple of scenarios here and also going through the risk tolerance profile. And these are some of the tools that Andy and I use. And again, it's not, those aren't black and white because a lot of it is just getting to talk to the client. If you simply just sent this to a client and say, fill this out and give it back to me, I would not know your risk tolerance because part of it is understanding the questions, what the goals are, and really getting into it a little deeper than simply filling out a questionnaire. And with that in mind, they look at a perfect advisor, according to an article, a perfect advisor adds 2.88% return to their overall return, so a value per se. And it's kind of interesting, 
the things that you'd think an advisor does is things such as annual rebalancing um, and, and possibly looking at your actual basic investment management, looking at the investments themselves. Annual rebalancing adds 0.1% to your return. The actual investing adds 0.4%. So, you know, it adds a little bit. But the things that really add value to a person's portfolio is preventing behavioral mistakes, number one. And that's a 1% difference. And right now we're already seeing that. Those people that we don't have those clients, but the clients that, say, have cashed in back in February are kicking themselves out right now because the market has gone up 20-some-odd percent on the way up. So now they're almost, do I get back in now? I've, and they've actually lost money. So that preventing behavioral mistakes is big. And planning, doing the actual planning and ancillary services, such as what Annie just went through and I went through before, on going over a financial plan. An actual financial plan adds 0.72% to a person's portfolio. The tax planning, and he also discussed, adds a two-thirds of a percent. So when you add it all up, you end up with 2.88%, but most of them are actual financial planning additions, not the investments themselves. So this is where you have to look at your advisor you're currently working with. Is your advisor adding this much value and you're getting these kind of questions answered for yourself? And so with that in mind, going back to tax planning briefly, Monday is the last day and uh, to file those income taxes. And everybody got delayed from April 30th to June 1st, so Monday is the last day. It is, March, it is June 1st, and just get those things filed. You don't have to pay. If you owe money, do not have to pay until September the 1st. But there is a 5% penalty if you do not file on Monday. You got till midnight Monday, but I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. Uh, I guess if you e-file, that's one thing, but there's, I don't even know if there's drop boxes this year. But regardless, so if you did owe $10,000, that would be a $500 penalty if you just didn't get it done. So send it in, get it done. And, there's a, you know, we've talked about some of the big deductions people often miss or, or don't use to their full capability, such as medical deductions, disability. We talked about the employment expenses, the T2200 we talked about those over the last few weeks. The other two is the moving expenses. If you move 40 kilometers closer to your work last year, you get to deduct vehicle expenses, accommodations, meals, fees for the changing of your address, cost of utility hookups, or disconnections from your previous one. So keep track of all those, and you may want to go back and if you didn't, if you've already filed, you can do a T1 adjustment and get these paid for. And finally, carrying charges. A lot of people forgot that they borrowed money for investment purposes or even for a rental property. And if you have a mortgage and it was tax deductible because you invested that money, that is tax deductible interest. Don't forget it. Or some people use a line of credit to do, say, uh, to invest when the market was lower, for example, or to do something to the rental property that is also tax deductible. And finally, is uh, look at your advisory fees because. Uh, they are on your statements, uh, but I have seen people miss them. And you can go back. I had one client go back for four years, and they just hadn't, even though I brought them to their attention, they had missed it. They did get back all their funds. But, again, look at the advisory fee only for non-registered investments, and those are also tax deductible. So good luck with all those tax deductions, and I uh, hope you get a, maybe a refund this year. 
We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. Thank you, Scott. Enjoy your weekend. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.